0: Um, amen. You know, it's, I don't know about for you, but it's easy for me to change my um, outward actions. Sure. Yeah. Right? It's its pretty easy for me to decide and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a different person today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stop being so selfish. Right? It's very easy for me to change those um, actions, right. right? It's very easy for me to do that. But when it comes to the actual hearts, it's hard for me to change the way... I feel when I think about that selfishness. You know, let's just say for a moment, let's just take um, anger for a moment, okay? Um, Hypothetically, let's drop you into your workplace. Now let's say that you are angry towards your boss. You feel like, I mean, I'm sure this is none of you before, that you feel like you do all of the work and your boss sits there relaxing and takes all of the credit for your work. I mean, maybe, I don't know if you guys have ever felt that same way, not saying it's me here in the church, but maybe before, you know what I mean, um, that I worked for for the church here, amen? Um. But maybe you can put yourself in that position where you're sitting in one of those meetings, your boss is kind of divvying up all of, like the different things that need to be done throughout the week. And he kind of makes, and he kind of looks at you, right? And you have that, and you kind of look down because you don't want them to notice that you're noticing that you're about to be, you know, given something to do. And he calls on you and you're kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Quietly, hoping, again, that it gets passed on to somebody else. But in your heart, you're just like, ugh, one more thing from you to do. Why don't you do it? Why don't you do something? Yeah. Get back to your um computer and your desk there and you write this like um email message and you're just like i'm so mad and you write it and you're like i'm gonna send this to him i'm gonna show him what's up and then you're like Draft folder <laughs> and it stays in there then you get up and you walk around and you're just like yeah did you see what he did today once again yeah coworkers, you and i know what's going on here don't we Whew, so angry with him, right and i think If you're familiar with that situation, whether it be school, workplace, you can tell yourself, man, I'm gonna stop doing these things. I'm gonna be nicer at work. But for you to change how you feel towards your boss. And even one step further, you start to see your boss in the way that God sees him. That's very difficult. That's an incredibly hard thing to do. Whether it's lust, pride, jealousy, hatred or greed, all these things are easy to do, but the inside yeah. is difficult.
1: Yeah. Right. You no,
0: know, a heart can be somewhere else. Right. And funny enough, Jesus, that's what he's concerned about the most. Right. We see that in Matthew 5 and 6 that Jesus is concerned not only what happens here, but what happens in here. Right. <laughs> No, we're going to talk about something that's a little sensitive topic. We're going to talk about how you and I view the world. Not just who you hang out with on the outside, but how you view the world inside. We're going to talk about the prejudices that all of us hold. Whether you see it or not, we carry these prejudices. As we step out of our door and we enter into the public arena, there are things that you and I feel and think about certain groups and certain types of people. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 10.
1: You
0: know, today, guys, the title is Converted Heart. And... Um, I asked my dad to come up here and read, honestly, because it's a big old section. We're going through the whole chapter 10. The whole thing. So I figured you guys wouldn't want to hear me talk for that long. So I asked him to come here and uh, help out. So let's all turn to Acts chapter 10. We're going to continue our reading through the book there. Of Acts chapter 10. We're going to jump on in there. Go Amen. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 1,
1: Cornelius calls for Peter. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to call back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him and John, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to John."
0: So here we are. Wow, that's really cool. All you guys looked up at the same time. Um, we are introduced to Cornelius. You know, and the scriptures say that he is a godly man, he's a Gentile. In fact, we see that he is a Roman soldier. Now, he's no regular commander here, he's in a very special city. He's given that higher position because he is a devout Roman. He would have commanded about a hundred soldiers. Now, from a Jew's perspective, the city and the position that he holds would have been like the ultimate evil. This was like, who, uh, put yourself in the shoes if the Germans had conquered us. And we would look at Germany, it was like, that is the ultimate evil in our lives. To the Jews, this this is how they would have viewed them. And more so for him who was the exact representation of that power. But we see on the contrast that he is a God fearing man. He gives to the poor. See, we also see that he prayed continually. We see that he followed God, but yet was not a full convert. He didn't go through with the uh, circumcision there. So he stayed on. The um, outside, when it came to the Jewish community, but we see that a angel of the Lord comes to this gentile. He comes to him and he says, "I got a plan for you. This is what you got to do. You got to send some guys to go find this man, Peter." And what do we see? He sends them right um, away. Let's continue on in verse nine. On,
1: Peter's vision. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who is known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down, and he said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the Centurius. He is a righteous and a God-fearing man and is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And Peter invited the men into the house to be his
0: guests. Here we see that the scene flips to Peter. When you see that Peter is praying, and by the way, this isn't a normal time of prayer for him. We see that he is actually praying even more than the Jewish times where they would pray three times a day. And this vision comes to him. And he doesn't quite get it. In the fact that God has to send it three times and it still doesn't click. As we see there, he was wondering about it. He was thinking and the vision tells him that nothing is unclean. You know, for us, we're able to see Matthew 28 with Jesus as he gives them this charge to go out and reach everybody. And we say, Peter, how did you not get this? But we also see throughout the Gospels that Peter and the other 12, they didn't understand when Jesus would tell them, hey, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. And they were still shocked because we have the great um, advantage of seeing the whole Bible. So you've got to put yourself in Peter's shoes. He's not quite, he's not a racist by any stretch of the means, but he has these prejudices that he holds. And honestly, these prejudices weren't a bad thing. For Peter, you gotta put yourself in his culture, right? He grew up thinking this is what God wants for me, and he still carried that with him. He felt like I'm doing God's will by staying pure, by not intermingling and hanging out with these Gentiles. And we see there that Peter is still wrestling with it. And these men come and said, "You gotta come with us, and we'll." continue on
1: Peter at Cornelius's house the next day Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along the following day he arrived in Caesarea Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends as Peter entered the house Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence but Peter made him get up stand up he said I'm only a man myself And while talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You're well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. May I ask why you have sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is. Because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything that he did in the country of the Jews. And in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days.
0: Thank you. We see here that Peter goes. He listens to the vision. He listens to God. And he even takes with him a group of disciples, Jewish disciples. And he shows up at Cornelius' house. And the thing that shocks me is that Cornelius is waiting. He's saying, hey, whatever God says, it's going to come true. I'm going to stand right here and wait for Peter to show up. And as Peter enters the house, in verse 28, we see that everything kind of clicks for him. We see that he realizes this is God's plan to preach to the Gentiles. And Peter begins to preach. And from the very beginning, showing him, hey, this has been God's plan. He's really getting it now. He says, this has been God's plan from the very beginning, through Jesus. And Peter tells him about his life and testifies about what what he has seen. And as Peter is speaking, the Holy Spirit comes down on them. Let's just take a little pause here for a moment. We're going to talk about that. Because for some of us, that's a little kind of like, whoa, the Holy Spirit came before baptism. Now, again, let's take a little pause and kind of exit ourselves from this text for a moment. You know, the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible comes in two different forms, if you will. Throughout the um, Old Testament, it would come on the individuals. We see this with David and Saul and various um, other prophets and men of God. Men that God chose to do something special. You know, and in the future, as some of the passages we read for communion in uh, Ezekiel 39, Zechariah 12, Joel 2, um, Isaiah 44, we see that it is uh, foretold that there is going to be a pouring out yeah. of the Holy Spirit. That it is going to live within us, an in uh, indwelling. We see that Jesus even speaks about this in John chapter 7. So we start to see that there's two different types there's a spirit that comes on you, and there's a spirit that goes within. Now, if you will, for a minute, view this as this is a different special time in this moment. We see in Acts chapter 2, the same thing happens the spirit comes on them. Why? Because God is saying, guess what? This is huge. I want you to see just how huge this is. Yeah. So God makes God. So this is not the same as you and I having the indwelling of the uh, Holy Spirit. Think about it like this. Uh, imagine it's a super hot day. Uh, imagine it's super hot in the building you're in um, and you're given a cold glass of water. You could take that glass of water and pour it over you on your head. It feels pretty good, right? It's refreshing. But then if you drink that water, it's within you, and it's refreshing, and it revitalizes you. It cools you from the inside. Yeah. Think of that as the Holy Spirit here is the dumping the water on your head as opposed to drinking the water that you and I get as we are baptized in the name of Jesus. Everybody understand that? Everybody good with that? Awesome. I'm sure if you weren't, you wouldn't yell no. So, amen. If you have any questions... You can come talk to me um, after the sermon. But we see after this, Cornelius and his house were baptized. We see that he is one of the first Gentiles. We saw the um, Ethiopian earlier and Samaritans earlier. And now here, God is saying, I've opened it up to everybody. And that God has worked through Peter. And we see here that this is the very end of God's plan through Genesis all the way up to this moment saying, I have been making my way to this moment in time so that all of you can be my people. But we know that Peter was clearly a disciple, was clearly a follower of Jesus. We see in his work throughout the gospels. We see even later on in, uh, um, in the church so to those people that would have known Peter, they would have said, hey, you know what? Peter is a completely different guy here. I can tell that he's a follower of Jesus. But his heart still needed to be changed. Yeah. His heart still needed to be converted to the gospel message. His heart still needed to be converted to the ways of God. His prejudices were still active and didn't line up with the will of God. Didn't mean he wasn't a disciple. It just meant that he had to work on his heart. Yeah. Now, I just, you know, once again, I want to say prejudice is not racism, okay? So I know some of you are like, Jeff just said I was prejudiced, Woo! excuse me. No, it's different, okay? We can, we can take that level down, because I saw some of your faces when I said prejudice, that, some of us are prejud- that all of us have prejudices. You guys were like, no, I'm going to stone them right now. So it's very different. We see here that it took a little bit extra for Peter's heart to be converted. I want to um, show you something here real quick. I was on YouTube earlier this week, and I saw this caption, it said, Middle East Dune Racing, and I was like, what in the world is that? Because I like trucks, Jeeps, 4x4s, I watch some videos about that kind of stuff, I just enjoy it, and honestly, when I read the caption, I was like, this is gonna be cheesy, they're gonna roll up in some like dinky dinky cars and everything, and then I began to watch it, and I'm like, these guys have legit, Awesome cars the same thing we have here. I'm like, I, this is crazy. And I took a step back and I'm like, oh man Why did I even think that? Right. I was like because I'm holding these prejudices right. in my heart and honestly I didn't even know that 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 they were there Come on. What? But in the same way all of us carry prejudice with us. It's part of the human Condition yeah. it's who we are that we are um, Informed by our past or our culture or even what we hear yeah. and what we feel. Yeah. You no, know, you, you think about who, when you walk around, how you judge people right. by the way they look, perhaps their sexuality, if they're young, old, yeah. the color of their skin, how much money they have or how little money they have, right. how well put together they look. What kind of car they drive? All these inform how we view people. Those are the prejudices that we carry. Now you guys are feeling like a little bit better about that word. You know, I want to take us to a place that all of us visit, even if you don't want to talk about it. Walmart. I like to preach about Walmart. Easy picking, right? <laughs> All of us walk around Walmart. You wander around, you know you do, looking for things that you don't need to buy. You pass by that $5 bin of Blu rays and you're digging through it, trying to find something that isn't like something number three that never came to the theaters. That's right. But as you walk around Walmarts, how do you view the people? There's a, there's a wide variety of people at Walmart including (laughs) (laughs) yourself, But when you see a young mom, like I'm talking 19, 20 years old, what goes on through your head? You're thinking, wow, she probably had that baby. She's not married. She probably had it, you know, high school. Her life's probably a mess. Maybe you walk around and let's just get real, you see two black teenagers. What kind of thoughts and feelings go go through your heart as they walk towards you. I mean, let's just be real for a moment. Last week, in fact, I was walking around, and no joke, I came from the, um, from the gym, so I was wearing a t-shirt and shorts and everything, and I walked past this car, and, her, and this woman grabs her purse. I'm like, I'm not gonna steal your purse. Calm down there. I was like, wow. I'm like, I don't look that scary, right? Like, I got two kids. I'm a minister of the gospel. I kind of wanted to stop and tell her, like, hey, come on now. But I thought, man, we all have these prejudices, don't we?
1: And
0: what if a homosexual couple walks past you? How are you feeling? Is it the same as a heterosexual couple? Do you, do you view them in the same, in in the same light? What about a tattooed group of individuals? I purposely did this today to prove a point to some of you.
1: You know who you are.
0: Now you're convicted and man, you can just stand up and walk out. No, no, I'm just kidding. you know, he's got a big old neck tattoo on him. Ooh, or my personal favorite when they have their heads tattooed. I'm like, I don't know, that's like a decision right there for your life. But, um, you know, what about a businessman who's wearing like a really nice suit, custom made, hops out of his, you know, out of his Porsche? How do you view him? All of us have the prejudices preconceived notions of who they are. And honestly, we base our interactions and our conversations on those prejudices. Perhaps even the people that we have into our home are based on those prejudices. Who we surround ourselves with, who we are comfortable with. So what kind of prejudices do you carry this morning? You know, we see with Peter, he was comfortable With the Jewish people. It was something that he was taught all of his life. He carried that with him. But yet God was calling him to do something different. To have his heart converted. To the point that it was so difficult for Peter. That we see that God had to tell him three times. So who are we to say that we don't carry those prejudices with us? But here's the real scary thing. The danger of our prejudices is that they carry over in who we share the gospel with. That's right. yeah. You are the deciding factor who receives salvation. Who goes to heaven or who goes to hell. And you carry these prejudices in our hearts. You know, as we go on, as we talk with different people or perhaps even walk past it, we make up in our own minds wow. that this person is not going to be open. Right. Wow. This person isn't going to want to listen to me today based on whatever prejudice that you carry. You know, it's a, fr- it's a very frightening position to put yourself in. Yes, God can work through you and through others, but in that moment. You are taking it on yourself to decide their thoughts towards the gospel. But Peter was able to change, amen? When he recognized that his heart didn't line up with God's plan. First, what we need to do is actually get our prejudices out in the open. We need to ask ourselves, who am I comfortable with? What kind of prejudices do I carry? And we got to see it for what it is. It is sin. It is evil. It is everything that is not God. We have to see it for what it is. This is something that we don't like to talk about. We don't like to even think about that we carry these with us. But we have to put it out there because it hinders the gospel.
1: You
0: know, a couple of weeks ago I was listening to... Um, ESPN Radio, and they were talking about race as it is a uh, you know, popular topic with, their, you know, with you know, within the sports world. And this radio host was talking about all these different solutions. He was saying, we don't need programs, we don't need this, we don't need that. What we need is change within the families. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. But I thought to myself, mm, not quite there. What they need and what the world needs is the gospel message. That is the only solution. It's the only thing that's going to bring healing to this world. No social programs. No town hall meetings. No time heals all wounds. Only the gospel message. And that is what God brings to the broken world. And that is what what he has charged you with today. To bring that gospel message to a broken world. What Peter preaches is very simple. He preaches the gospel message. He gives his own testimony. He says this is what God has done. And he pleads with Cornelius and his household. That you need to change. This is what you need. The gospel message. You know, our city is a divided place. It's not in the past. We do live in the South. You know, if anything that I've noticed over the past couple of five years here or so, is that the problems that we thought were gone actually never left. They were underlined waiting for something to push them to the surface. And I'll tell you what, the issues that we have within the city are not just found in Florida or Baltimore, or you name any other cities that you've seen these race uh, tensions. It's here. That's right. Within Hampton Roads, within Virginia Beach, whether it be race or how we view anything, whether it's, like I said before, sexuality. It's here. Yeah. The tensions are here. Yeah. We are divided people, but yet you and I hold the solution, but my question to you is, are you willing to preach it? Are you willing to preach the solution to all nations, to all people that the gospel is the true message, the true healing? We got to deepen our convictions church. To take a hard look at our hearts, are we willing to get uncomfortable Come on. to preach the gospel? Yeah. Right. You know, we're going to be starting out here with a new program. Skip these real quick for time. T2F. And I know the uh, campus um, internship here has really kicked this off. Now T2F is, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be going to the poor and needy people within our communities. Not just handing them a bag full of food for that day, but we're gonna be sitting with them, teaching them life skills. Trying to help them get a job. Give them rides to figure out, to get their life together. Figure out, do you have health care? Here are some programs that you can go into. And so it's gonna be a one-on-one personal interaction. With people that I'm pretty confident in this room, we don't have those interactions. We don't have those one-on-one conversations. You may give them a dollar, but you're not talking to them. I'm, and I'm with you on that one. But lastly, what we're going to be doing with them is sharing the gospel. We're going to be trying to get them to see that they need a solution. That the social programs will help them. And we want to help them. But we want to change their lives as well. Yeah. But that's what the world needs is the gospel message. And like I said earlier, you have been commissioned by God to bring that message to all of us people. And we can't let our prejudice stand in the way. It's going to hold us back. We need to have converted hearts, church, to the gospel message. I want to close out with three simple ways that you can check to see if you have any prejudices. Okay. Number 1 that you have no hesitation to speak to anybody, whether any type of group or person. No hesitation. Second, that you show hospitality, that you bring them into your home. There's a um, intimacy there. This passage, that is not lost. There's a reason why God shows him food because he's saying, hey, when you eat, when you sit down with people, that's when you connect with them. That's when you're really bringing them into your life. Thirdly, we need to have humility before them. Mm -hmm. That we are not better than them. We're not in a different place than them and this is a pity reach out. Mm -hmm. But that you hear them. You speak with them. That you see their needs are the same. Their need is for the gospel message. So my challenge for you church this week is take some time. Root out any prejudices that you carry. Give them to God through prayer. You got to see your prejudice for what it is as sin. But then you got to do something about it. You got to put this in action. Share the gospel. Now I'm going to give you an easy challenge here. Because I know sometimes we hear a challenge and we're just like, I got to share with how many people? And you leave here and you're just like, 30 people? Oh man, that's a lot. I'll do that next week. You share with one person that is out of your comfort zone. One person. Each and every one of you can do that this week easily. But what I want you to do is to watch God work and to show you, just as he showed Peter, that the gospel is the only solution. Thank you, church.